Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. Just a note here at the top of the show, this episode does contain some references to sexual violation. If that is upsetting to you and you wish to listen to something else, that's entirely reasonable. I used to work in a used bookstore. It was a great experience. It was kind of a cool job, you know, like working at a record store or a comic book shop. And it was something that I was very happy to do as a young man in the first half of my 20s. We got books of all kinds and types and genres. And me and my co-workers, we were all sort of pretentious, effete literary people really into, you know, Umberto Eco and Garcia Marquez and that kind of stuff. But honestly, most of what we sold were romance novels and mysteries. I think most of my paycheck probably came from procedurals and bodice rippers. We also sold no shortage of sci-fi, fantasy, and lots and lots of college textbooks. But amidst all that, amidst all the different genres and types of books, there was a certain alternate universe of publications out there on our shelves. And these publications, we learned to recognize them. We learned to recognize them from the colors they use, the fonts they use, the kerning, the types of paper, the weight, all of that. We could just recognize them on sight, and these were Christian books. And I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about books by thinkers like C.S. Lewis, Soren Kierkegaard, or Thomas Merton. I am not talking about anything that my Catholic relatives would have on their shelves. No, these were not works of philosophy or theology. These were books aimed at an evangelical, fundamentalist Christian demographic. There was Christian self-help, Christian fiction, Christian romance, Christian science fiction, Christian dating books. So many Christian dating books. Oh my god. It's sort of like how any given popular intellectual property will also have, pretty inevitably, its own porn parody. Like, there's Batman, and then somebody will make porno Batman, or there's a sitcom, and somebody will make the porno of that sitcom. It was sort of like that. Every genre, be it science fiction or romance, had its alternative universe Christian fundamentalist equivalent. Most of it, honestly, was pretty innocuous. I think there were also like three or eight different series out there about Jesus getting cloned and the clone turning into the Antichrist or the Second Coming or whatever. But for me and my co-workers, who were all secular bookstore geeks who were really into Cormac McCarthy and other stuff like that, one of the most frightening and upsetting types of Christian books were the homeschooling guides. Books about teaching your kids that, for instance, dinosaurs and humans existed at the same time, or that the Bible was an accurate depiction of history and science, or that the United States is a Christian nation founded by Christian ideals, and that Christianity has worked into the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and all of that. For anyone who does not subscribe to fundamentalist Christianity, these books are deeply weird because they put that ideology, that set of beliefs, front and center on everything. Science, history, everything. And God, I just realized I am going to lose any Christian fundamentalist listeners that I probably have, but okay, thank you for listening so far. But in 2006, this alternative universe of Christian fundamentalism, it breathed forth a new conspiracy theory, and really any kind of view of science and history that teaches that humans and dinosaurs coexisted, or that the United States is a fundamentally Christian nation, I think that counts as a conspiracy theory. 
They breathed into the world an awkward and ramshackle attempt to conflate two of American fundamentalist Christianity's greatest enemies. They attempted to mash up and combine and present as allies evolution and communism. Here's the claim. Joseph Stalin, one of the most ruthless and unhinged and brutal dictators of all time, attempted to breed super soldiers by hybridizing humans and chimpanzees. Yes, Joseph Stalin, the man of steel, our ally of convenience in World War II, a man responsible for gulags and purges and untold horrors, really, really wanted secret simian super soldiers. According to creation.com, a website which I now have, rather unfortunately, in my Google Chrome history, the story is this, quote, Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin wanted to rebuild the Red Army in the mid-1920s with Planet of the Apes-style troops by crossing humans with apes. This was according to a report in the Scotsman newspaper on 20th December 2005. The report claimed that Stalin ordered Russia's top animal breeding scientist, Ilya Ivanov, to use his skills to produce a super warrior. Stalin is said to have told Ivanov, I want a new invincible human being, insensitive to pain, resistant and indifferent about the quality of food they eat. In 1926, the Politburo in Moscow passed this request to build a living war machine onto the Academy of Sciences, who engaged Ivanov and sent him to West Africa with many thousands of dollars to conduct experiments in impregnating chimpanzees by artificial insemination. In the USSR, a center was set up in Georgia, Stalin's birthplace, for the apes to be raised. And, later on, Dictator Stalin, a passionate atheist, Based upon his belief in evolution, I'm quoting verbatim there, if this was print, there would be bracket, S-I-C, close bracket, was quite capable of envisaging the use of the technology should it prove successful to produce slave hybrid warriors, and because of his evolutionary materialism, he would have no moral compunctions. Ivanov shared his master's belief in evolution. If evolution were true, humans and apes would be closely related, so the idea that they could interbreed would not have seemed outlandish. Unquote. If you think that sounds um, improbable and probably not a real thing, I sympathize. Uh, I am going to go over the real story behind this, and also I want to talk about why it is so incredibly improbable. So the scientist mentioned in that, you know, pack of BS, Ilya Ivanov, he was a real person, and he really did try to breed chimps with humans. And honestly, Ivanov was a real-life mad scientist, a real-life Dr. Moreau, who pursued his research without any regard to ethics or consequences. His first forays into artificial insemination and hybridization included crosses of donkeys with zebras, which resulted in the delightfully named Zadonk, and a cross between a bison and a cow. His attempt to hybridize humans and chimps was an outgrowth from that. Ivanov's first attempt to create human-chimp hybrids was with human sperm inseminated into female chimpanzees. And even though humans and chimps do share about 95% of their genetic makeup, this worked about as well as trying to get a human being to knock up a dingo. So... Later on, Ivanov tried something far more disturbing and much, much more unethical. When he attempted to inseminate human women with ape sperm, Ivanov first used volunteers, but later on, he did not. 
Ivanov attempted to inseminate West African women from French Guinea with orangutan and chimpanzee sperm, and he did so without the knowledge or consent of his human subjects. And the optics of this are just awful. His choice of using West African women from a European colonial possession, that is absolutely horrifying. That is one of the most visceral pictures you can have of European exploitation and violation of Africa and its peoples. We don't quite know Ivanov's motivations for doing this. Some people think that he was trying to make a point about evolution, and other sources say that he was just doing it to do it. Either way, it's completely unethical. It's completely unethical that he did this to human beings without their knowledge and consent. And here's something else kind of messed up. Had Ivanov's experiments been successful, had he actually breeded a humanzy, as this hypothetical thing is sometimes called, those would have been sapient beings very much deserving of civil rights and consideration, and yet born into a world that was completely unready to accommodate them as citizens deserving of those civil rights. By the way, this is one of the problems that I have with developing AI. If we ever do develop, you know, Hollywood robot-style AI, it will need civil rights. Are we prepared to give it civil rights? Probably not. But Ivanov, he's trying to do this. It is indeed very, very messed up and very, very unethical and wrong. But he didn't have anything to do with Stalin. He was working on his failed human-ape hybrids well before Stalin came to power. He started his work in 1910, seven years before the Bolshevik Revolution. And he wasn't just doing this at Russian facilities. Ivanov began his research into hybridization at the Pasteur Institute in Paris, and it was because he was working with French research authorities, not Russian or Soviet ones, that Ivanov was able to perform his unethical experiments on women from French Guinea. So, attempting to conflate Ivanov with Stalin is just completely ahistorical. He was a scientist who was doing something wrong, but he was not doing it because of any association that he had with Stalin. Also, no reputable sources say that Ivanov was trying to create super soldiers. It seems that Ivanov was trying to do this just because he could. Here's another problem with the narrative that gets tossed about by evolution deniers, by people trying to conflate evolution and Stalinism by pointing at these hypothetical chimp-human hybrid super soldiers. And it's this. Joseph Stalin didn't believe in evolution. Stalin, just like America's modern fundamentalist evangelicals, didn't believe in Darwinism. Now, he didn't believe in the Bible either, but Stalin believed in a set of theories known as Lysenkoism, which offered an alternative, and here alternative is another way of saying wrong, sort of version of how species acquire characteristics. There are many, many more important reasons to find fault with Joseph Stalin, but the one that I'm going to talk about today is that his administration was riddled with and a promoter of pseudoscience. Trofim Lysenko was a Soviet agronomist who claimed to have found new ways to increase wheat yields and new ways to make wheat grow in cold climates. Lysenko, he rejected the work of established scientists like Darwin and Mendel, and he also didn't believe that DNA was real. Lysenko's ideas, instead, were a variation on Lamarckism, though he claimed to have come up with them himself. That is, 
the idea that individuals can pass on acquired characteristics to their offspring. Lysenko rejected intraspecies competition as a driver of evolution and change, which is the cornerstone to natural selection and Darwinism. So when I say intraspecies competition, think back to the example that you probably had in middle school science with, you know, white moths landing on white trees, and every so often there's mutation and there's a black moth, and then birds eat those. But guess what? Then there's the Industrial Revolution, and soot settles on the trees, and suddenly the mutated dark moths, they're hard to see, and the birds, they eat the white moths, and then soon, after a few years, that species of moth, they're dark instead of white. This is an example to get past... And this is the 10-second canned sort of explanation about what intraspecies competition is. And if you're an evolutionary biologist and your ears are burning while I describe that, I am sorry. Um, but like the Bohr model of the atom, this is an incomplete and slightly incorrect, but still useful model to understand this. But without random mutation and then intraspecies competition, you don't have natural selection you don't have the long, slow emergence of new species out of old ones. So, Lysenko believed that this idea, this cornerstone of Darwinism, was incompatible with Soviet communism. Instead, Lysenko believed that individuals within a species all supported each other and that they all acted in a way that kind of, rather conveniently, mirrored Soviet communism. And he thought that individuals who took on new characteristics, characteristics they got by acting among and with and with the support of the group, would get passed on to the next generation. Lysenko's pseudoscience went further than that. He rejected genetics entirely. Remember, he didn't believe in DNA. And he said that genetics would necessarily lead to eugenics, and he called it all bourgeois science. This erroneous version of biology was taught in Soviet schools for years, kind of like there's an erroneous version of biology taught from Christian homeschool materials even now. And under Stalin's reign, scientists in fields perceived to be counter-revolutionary or not consistent with Soviet communism were rounded up and purged. This included Ilya Ivanov. In 1930, he was arrested, exiled to Kazakhstan, and he died two years later. So, ironically, science deniers who have tried to paint evolution and communism as walking in lockstep are actually pointing at two forces that were charging directly at each other. Modern Christian fundamentalism and Joseph Stalin both denied evolution in different ways, but nevertheless, both parties looked at Darwin's ideas and, for ideological reasons, rejected them. Now, you might be wondering why I've been spending time on refuting a bit of pseudo-history put forth by some bunko-weird out-there creationist website, and I have three reasons for this. Reason one, behind any bit of bizarre mythology, or BS, there is almost certainly a true story that is also fascinating, potentially even more fascinating. Stripping away the non-facts from something legendary doesn't make it less interesting, if anything, you can appreciate it more. And this is something that I got into at length in my ebook, The Legend of Polybius, and it's definitely the case here. Reason two, don't make the mistake of creation.com. Don't assume that all of your ideological enemies 
are working in concert with one another. The cranks behind that website assume that anyone they disagree with, like Darwinist or communist, must be somehow aligned. But ideology is complicated, contradictory, overlapping, opposing, and very often, and very often, the world is not at all like what the archetypical conspiracy theorist thinks it's like. You know, with red yarn all over a board, interconnecting different photos and documents and ideas, thinking it's all connected. It's not like that. It's chaotic. It's competitive. It's capricious. And sometimes things happen for no reason. And the third reason I wanted to talk about this? Well, it's weird, and I'm into that. And in case you were wondering, Lysenkoism didn't get very far after Stalin's demise. During the Khrushchev administration, Lysenko's star fell. With Stalin not there to protect him anymore, many legitimate Russian scientists called for his removal from government positions. One Soviet physicist said of Lysenko, quote, He is responsible for the shameful backwardness of Soviet biology, and of genetics in particular, for the dissemination of pseudoscientific views, for adventurism, for the degradation of learning, and for the defamation, firing, arrest, and even death of many genuine scientists. Unquote. In 1965, Lysenko was stripped of his title as a director for the Institute of Genetics at the Academy of Sciences and placed under what was essentially house arrest. He died in 1975. His pseudoscientific ideas died with him. If only all illusions could be dealt with so easily. This podcast is ad-free and independent because you support it. Go to interestingtimespodcast.com and sign up for a monthly donation on Patreon, a voluntary subscription service that allows you to support the content that you are really into. Thank you so much to those of you who have done that already. I appreciate it boundlessly. Also, go to iTunes, give us a rating and review. I really appreciate that. I love hearing from you. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Joe Streckert. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash interestingtimeswithjoestreckert and Tumblr, joestreckert.tumblr.com. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye. (laughs) 